In a few minutes, we're going to be reading from 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm doing a group of messages just entitled Things That Matter, things from God's Word that matter. And some of these things are things that we take for granted. If you've been walking with God for a while, maybe you've heard teaching on some of these things. And, you know, sometimes we as pastors just kind of take for granted, well, everybody knows this, everybody knows that. And along the way, there's some important information we miss. You know, in the Old Testament, on one occasion, the Lord said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And sometimes I think we take for granted that people know things that they might not. So we're talking about things that matter. And today I want to talk about worship. And I want to begin with a simple question. What is worship? The first 15, 20 minutes of our service every Sunday morning, we set it aside for what we call worship. But what is worship? Well, one real simple explanation. The word worship really means worth Ship, W-O-R-T-H, worth ship. It's an expression of us telling God what he's worth to us. It's us telling God what his value is in our lives. It's a time that we set aside for all of us among believers and other people of like faith to just stop and say, God, you're amazing. There's nobody like you. You've been doing all these great things in my life, and I want to honor you for what you're doing. That's what worship really is. But as you study scripture, there are two different aspects of worship. And I want to talk about these for a few minutes and kind of set the stage. The first aspect of worship is what we call praise. Everybody say praise. praise. Now, there's a little bit of interaction in this message today. So when I ask you to say something, don't be afraid. Speak right up. If your neighbor doesn't speak up, elbow them and let them know they're supposed to pay attention and speak up too, okay? But we're, we're going to talk first of all about praise, the first aspect of our time of worship with God. So I'm going to ask the same question that I asked earlier, but using praise. What is praise? If you look through the scriptures over and over again, especially Old Testament, when you're reading the Psalms, over and over again, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But what does it mean to praise the Lord? What is praise? A lot of people don't realize this, but the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It's been interpreted, translated into other languages. And so if you go back and look at the word praise in the Old Testament, there are eight or nine words that are translated into the English to say praise. But if you go back into the original writings, they're descriptive words. They're words of action. They're verbs, if you will. So in other words, praise is a verb that describes some kind of action from us towards God. It's physical action. Now let me give you a few examples. These are actual translations from the original words in the Old Testament. One of the words interpreted praise means to sing songs. We do that here on Sunday mornings. We sing songs to God. Another word for praise means to play musical instruments, to take your fingers and strike or strum the musical instruments. We do that on Sunday morning. Another word for praise is Addressing God loudly. How many have ever addressed God loudly? Amen. Did you know God's not nervous? 
Now, I know there's appropriate times to be loud and times to be quiet. I get that. I believe in order. But there's a time to shout praises unto God. Another expression of praise is a word that means the lifting of my hands. Did you know we welcome you to lift your hands here? Why? Because it's praise. Another expression is to clap your hands. We do a lot of that here. I know years ago we didn't do much of that in the church. We do it a lot today, and some people say, well, I don't like that. It's just an expression of praise to God. It's scriptural. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. It's scriptural. Another word for praise means responding to God with singing and shouting. Another expression means, and listen to this one, it means to shine how many of you are ready to shine this morning? It means to shine to the extent that you put on a show. First service like that. You all are a little quiet this morning. Put on a show so much that some people would think you were foolish. How many of you have ever been foolish in church? Three or four of you, and I know who you are. I already know you. All the religious folks do too because they say, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, that's because you're not praising God the way they are. Are. So uh, let, me, let me illustrate it this way. Psalms 48 and Psalms 109. There, you know, there's three or four times in the Psalms where it says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. But if you go back and look at the original words, in one Psalm it says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised lifted my hands to him the word praise means great is the lord so i will lift my hands to him another one means great is the lord so i'm going to put on a show and be foolish in the sight of people some of you watch our praise team on sunday morning and you think man i don't like the way that person jumps around it's praise you ought to try it it won't hurt you it might loosen up those stiff arthritic knees for you a little bit. <laughs> Try it. Try it. You might like it. It's praise. Uh, here's another illustration. I mentioned this verse a few minutes ago, Psalms 47.1. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Those are expressions of praise. Here's another good one. Psalms 118.24. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it okay now this is interactive everybody stand to your feet come on some of you and i have to stand up again yes you do stand up real quick if you can't stand it's okay but if you can stand up okay we're, we're going to praise god here according to the scriptures because what it says is this is the day that the lord has made i will rejoice you know what the word rejoice means here it means to spin around okay on three this is the day the Lord has made. I will. There you go. See, that didn't hurt. Man, I wish I had my camera phone up here so I could take pictures of your faces. All right, you can sit down. Some of you are saying, what's he going to do next? Let me just put your mind at ease. If you're visiting today, we won't be passing out snakes in this service. We, we only do that in first service. <laughs> just kidding. Now, let me, let me illustrate this one more way to you. I was just kidding. The, the word praise can mean a lot of things, but every one is a physical action towards God. On Thursday nights, not always, but, but many Thursday nights, Ann and I keep our grandchildren. 
And Friday morning, we get up and we go get donuts. My grandkids love donuts. I love donuts. Anne's trying to wean me off of them, but I love donuts. But the thing is, if you've gone to the, how many of you like donuts? Okay. Everybody likes donuts. Maybe you're not eating them, but everybody likes them. Have you ever gone to the donut shop and you walk in and say, I just want a donut? No, you go to the donut shop. It's like praise. There's all kinds of donuts in there. My grandkids, they don't go in and say, give me a donut. They say, I want that one with the sprinkles on it. Or I want that one right up there with, with the little um, peeps, chick thing on there, marshmallow thing. They get what they want because Pops is buying. But the point is this. The point is this. There's all kinds of donuts. Well, there's all kinds of praise. But every, every single praise is some kind of action towards God. And here's the thing. Praise thanks God for what he's done. Praise is a physical action that thanks God for what he has done. It's celebrating God's goodness. So if that's praise, this is not praise. That's not praise. That's not praise. Where's the bathroom? That's not praise. Those things aren't praise. See, it's, it's a simple ex physical expression on the outside of what's going on on the inside, my heart towards God. Now, the, the second part of worship is the word worship. And here's what worship is. Psalms 95, verse 6. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Now, there are all kinds of expressions of praise. There's only one expression of worship. It's kneeling and it's bowing. Now, we don't ask you on Sunday mornings to everybody get on your knees and bow down. We don't ask you to do that. If you're not disrupting service, if you want to kneel and bow before God, that's fine. But the point is, at the end of our Sunday morning worship time, we always set aside a time where we have not only praised God with action, we stop and bow our hearts before him. And see, here's the difference in praise and worship. Praise, it's, it, there are physical expressions thanking God for what he's done. Worship is honoring God for who he is and what he is. It's got nothing to do with what he's been doing for us. It has to do with who he is and what he is. He's God. He's the God of everything. And we honor him and we recognize him in that capacity in our lives. So if that's what worship is, then worship's not this. Anything else is not worship. Now, why am I telling you this today? We're going to dig a little deeper. We're going to get into 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 6 in just a moment. I want everybody to know when we start church on Sunday mornings here at the bridge, the first 20 minutes or so are dedicated as God's time. It's not my time. It's not your time. It's not karaoke time. It's not time to be entertained. It is time for us to worship God. Praise Him and bow our hearts before Him. Every single Sunday. 
Because praise and worship does a lot of things in our lives. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. Now, before we start reading in 2 Samuel 6, let me set this story up for you. This story, I think, is one of the greatest pictures of praise and worship also in the entire Bible. It's a great, great story. We're going to dive into it in a minute. But before we get into the story, it's about David transporting the Ark of the Covenant. And before we get in there, let me give you a quick history. People say, well, what is the Ark of the Covenant? What's the significance? The Ark of the Covenant was a box that God told his people to build. He gave them instructions and dimensions and what it was to look like and how to build it. They built it, they, they transported it everywhere they went as they were moving through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And this box, there were specific things that God told them to put inside. And like I said, I got to hurry today because of time. But in essence, the priest carried this box and it was really, really showing the people and reminding them of two things. Number one, they're in a covenant relationship with God. It's a reminder. We are in covenant with God. Here's a symbol, a sign of our covenant. And then the second part of it was it was also a sign of God's presence among his people. So every time they moved, the priests would carry the ark and go before the people, and it was a sign of God's presence going before them, preparing the way. So when they saw the ark, they knew this is God's presence here. What happened was, back in the end of uh, Eli's life, um, his sons went to war, and they were ungodly sons, they were ungodly priests, they were living ungodly lives. God was about to judge them for their sins. And they were going into a, a desperate battle, and so they thought, well, let's take the Ark of the Covenant with us, because if we take the magic box, the enemy can't beat us. The problem is their hearts weren't with the presence of God. Their hearts were far from God. So they went out to battle. They lost the battle, and the ark was taken by the Philistines. The Philistines kept the ark for a while, but judgment began to break out on the Philistines. They began to have all kinds of plagues and things because the presence of God was being misused and misrepresented and not reverenced. And as a result, after a while, they brought the ark back to Israel and they just dropped it off at some guy's house and it stayed there for a while. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you read the story of King Saul, and I talked about David and Saul a few weeks ago. If you read the story of King Saul, you will find that throughout the entire time he was king, the only real reference to the ark is that the Philistines sent it back to Israel. He didn't really have any concern for it. There wasn't really any concern about what is this, where does it belong, because he was stubborn, he was rebellious, he was going to do things his way. So he didn't care about that. But when David became king, David said, I want to bring the ark of God back to a resting place among the people. And here's where we're going to pick up the story. Look at 2 Samuel 6, look at verse 12. Now it was told King David, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him. Now pause here just a moment. David began the process, and there's another story here which I don't have time to tell. David began the process of bringing the ark back to Israel from one guy's house. They had some difficulties, so they stopped and they left it in another guy's house, another guy's care. His name is Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom simply means 
the worker from Edom. It just means a common everyday laborer, common everyday guy. They left the ark in his house. And this verse starts out saying that God blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belonged to him. And it goes on to say this, because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. Verse 13, so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Now, now look at this. The priests are carrying the ark. They've got it on a cart. They're moving it along. Here's what they do. One, two, three, four, five, six. They stop and they offer sacrifices. One, two, three, four, five, six. And they stop and offer sacrifices. It was an elaborate, amazing procession. But David wanted to reverence the ark, reverence the presence of God, and bring it back to its rightful resting place. Verse 14. Then, now here's, get the picture. They're coming into town. David is so excited. All of this sacrificing is going on. It's an amazing procession. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. How many of you have ever danced before the Lord with all your might? <laughs> Some of you have. Good. See, I said that for shock value. Because some of you be, oh my God, I would never do that. That's praise. What's quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning? <laughs> I, I can't imagine dancing before the Lord today with all my might because, you know, I might twist an ankle, I might hurt a knee, something might happen, you know, because I can't dance. I'm a little clumsy. I can play ball. I can do all that. Dancing's not my thing. But David danced before the Lord with all of his might. In other words, there was so much inside that it exploded out to his hands and his feet. And he began to dance before the Lord. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel, verse 15, brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. So here comes the procession. People are shouting praise to God. They're blowing the trumpets. And David, the king, is going wild, just dancing at the front of the line. It's a great time for David. He wasn't ashamed of his praise. Verse 16. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal... This is David's wife, Michal. I'm going to call her Michelle. I'm not trying to offend any Michelle in the house today. But for simple you know, pronunciation, I'm going to call her Michelle. She was David's wife. Remember when David killed the giant? King Saul said, anybody that kills the giant can have my daughter. Well, David killed the giant. Where's the daughter? That was his wife. It became his first wife, okay? So he got her by killing the giant. Notice what happens. Michal, Michelle, Saul's daughter looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. Now, at first he's dancing. Now he's leaping and he's whirling about. Somebody said, well, I'm not coming back to this church. You know, I'm pretty careful, but I do love to praise God. So don't, don't, don't as, it, as, as some people say, don't judge me. So here he is leaping and dancing and whirling. And what does it say? 
and she despised him in her heart. Interesting. Verse 17. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. He continued to offer offerings of worship to God. Verse 18. When David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Interesting story. There's more to it. We'll get to it in a moment. But let me, let me comment on this first part. There's two things I want you to see here. Number one, notice what the ark or the presence of God, notice what it did when it was sitting in the house of Obed-Edom. It blessed everything under his care. Every area of his life and his household was blessed. Can I just tell you something today? When you welcome the presence of God into your life and you are continually opening your heart to him, welcoming him with praise and thanksgiving, God will get involved in every single area of your life. And David saw this. He heard the report. They said, man, this guy Obed-Edom, it's unbelievable, man. Everybody around him is going on and they're struggling and going through. This guy's being blessed on every hand. Man, his crops are blessed. His flocks are blessed. Everything, his whole house is healthy. Everything's blessed. Why? Because the presence of God was in his house. David took note of that. You know, if you'll welcome the presence of God into your life daily, you'll see his blessings show up everywhere. Make room for him. But then the second thing I want you to see is notice how Obed-Edom's house affected David. David heard about it. He saw what was going on. And so he began to realize, man, I, I, I need God's presence here close to me. So here's what he did. Number one, it affected his thinking process. It affected his thoughts. You know, Praise The presence of God will change the way you think about things. It affected his thinking. Because here's what he did. He said, you know what? The ark is there at Obed-Edom's, but I want to create a place for God's presence. See, the first thing I want you to know about praise, praise is a choice. It's an act of my will. That's why over and over again in the Psalms, you see it, I will bless the Lord. I will praise the Lord. I will, I will, I will. What does that mean? That means I have adjusted my thinking. I've laid down my will, and I will do what's important. What's important is for me to praise God. A lot of people go to church and say, okay, well, God does something, and everybody gets excited, then I'll praise him. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit and watch. That's not praise. Your thoughts need to change. We don't praise God because he just did something. We praise God. We praise God as an act of the will for all the many things he's already done and the fact that he's still with us today. We don't look for God to do something to give us a reason. We praise him for all of his great works. It'll change the way you think. It adjusted David's thoughts. Second thing, it adjusted David's actions. 
David went and built a house, a tent, if you will, to house the Ark of the Covenant, a tabernacle, a tent. He constructed it, he built it, and he said, this is the place where God's presence needs to rest among God's people. It affected his actions. He said, you know, I'm not content. I'm not content to just hear about God's goodness. I want to see God's goodness. So I'm going to make room. I'm going to make a place for God's presence. The next thing you need to understand about praise is, not only is it an act of your will, praise is always action. Got one yeah over here. Can I have two amens? Praise is an action word. Go back and study it. Throughout the Old Testament, you see it. It's an action word. This is not praise. Praise is action, expressing our appreciation and thanksgiving to God. So David acted because of what he'd heard was going on at Obed-Edom's house. And then the third thing, it affected David emotionally. Now, I've been in churches where there is zero emotion. Zero emotion. And I've been in churches that are so emotional, it's goofy. <laughs> Some of you say, yeah, I've been there too. <clears throat> I think there's a balance in the middle that God's people need to understand. Listen to me. We are emotional beings. Sometimes I watch it in church. I'm up here preaching. I'm sharing something powerful. We're praying. Or I watch during worship. I look around and people are wiping their eyes. Grown men wiping their eyes. Grown men fighting back the tears. Every now and then I even see grown men in here lifting their hands to God. I see lots of people clapping their hands. What am I saying? Did you know when you start praising God, you will express on the outside what's going on on the inside? It affected David's emotions. What it says about David is he welcomed the ark of God with gladness. The original writings means with glee. He was just over, he's like a little kid. He was so excited about the presence of God. We need to be excited about God's presence. Not foolish, but excited. And you know, as a matter of fact, when, when the ark's brought into town, David is so overwhelmed with his emotions that he begins to dance and he begins to leap as expressions of praise toward God. So it affected David in so many ways when he heard what the presence of God could do in your life. Let me tell you something. When I look into the future and I realize that God's involved in my future, I get excited about that. If I think I've had, got it all to myself and I can't change anything, I'm in trouble. But when I look down the road and realize God's going to be involved, it changes everything. And the presence of God does that. Now, look at verse 20. Because i got to keep moving here. Verse 20. Well, look at the rest of this story. Then David returned to bless his household. Now, pause here a moment. He's blessed all of Israel. Every family in Israel. Everybody there. Men and women alike. Didn't matter. Everybody got food to eat, including dessert. He wanted to bless everybody. And then David goes home to bless his own household. And Michelle the daughter of Saul came out to meet David and said, and you know, this is not in scripture, but I'm going to do it for you because the Lord showed me this. She said, well, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants. 
as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. You catch the tone of that? See, that, that's, why, that's why Solomon wrote the Proverbs and said, you're better, guys, you're better off living in the desert by yourself than living in the house of an unhappy wife. But don't say amen to that. You'll be in trouble all the way home. But. David, I mean, she was one of those. She was one of those. She wasn't happy about all this. So she's saying, look at you, you made a fool of yourself. And I can't believe how stupid you looked out there. All the women are making fun of you, you idiot. Verse 21, so David said to Michelle, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. Now, you know, guys, you don't want to try this at home, but, you know, she played the, he, he played the in-laws card. Oh, yeah, let's see. How did that work out for your dad and his attitude? He didn't believe in praising God. Yeah, he fell on his own sword and killed himself. Yeah, tell me about how great your family was. Tell me about that spirit of praise in your house. He said, I don't want to hear it. I'm going to keep on playing the instruments, and I'm going to keep on praising God. In verse 22, and I will be even more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you've spoken, by them I will be held in honor. You know what he said? He said, you think you're the only woman in Israel? You think they're laughing at me? There's women lining up out there. They love to hang out with the king. Don't be giving me that nonsense. Now, you don't want to try that one at home either, okay? I mean, he just kind of laid it out. This is how it is. This is how it is. In verse 23, therefore, now here's, here's why I want you to see all this. Therefore, Michelle, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now, as I look at this passage, can you imagine David's excitement that day when great procession comes, they bring the ark of the Lord, he's so excited, he's dancing around, they're playing the music, everybody's celebrating, they put the ark of the covenant in its resting place, he blesses the whole nation. It's like, yeah, this is awesome. Oh, I need to go home and bless my house. And then he goes home to bless his house and runs into Michelle, who just ruins the whole party. Picture that. He's met with ridicule and persecution. As long as I'm hanging around, having a say in things here, this is always going to be a church that welcomes praise and worship to God. Always. Maybe you're not free enough yet to get real loose and, and move around. You ought to be. You ought to be. It'll help those arthritic knees and those bad ankles for you to move around a little bit. Uh, this is going to be a place where we praise God and we worship God, and it's okay here. But we're not going to ridicule and persecute people who want to worship God. Now, here's, here's the big part of this. Michelle and David really they, they paint a picture for the two attitudes people have about praise and worship even in the church two attitudes michelle's attitude is well, i'm not going to do anything look stupid see if you study this out some scholars believe that what happened was david was dancing so wildly they saw his underwear 
And she's like, what a fool you made of yourself. You know, some of us sit back and just look for reasons to criticize people who are more free than us. We don't need to be doing that because it bottles us up. Some of us are afraid of what people are going to think around us. David said, man, I don't care what people think. I don't care what a handful of people believe. I did this under the Lord. I didn't do it to you. I wasn't praising you. I wasn't worshiping you. I was worshiping God, and he likes it. And Michelle said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for the rest of her life, she was barren. You know, I deal with people a lot, and when I run across somebody who's barren, usually at the root of it is an issue with praise and worship. Well, I wouldn't dare do that. Well, that might explain why you're where you're at. But David was blessed all of the days of his life. And you know, Michelle probably had this passed on to her. Because her father was the one who, Scripture said, was stubborn and rebellious. And she probably learned it from him. He never honored the ark in the presence of God. He didn't even listen to God's instructions that came through the prophet. He was self-willed. But David was a man after God's own heart. And his heart was, in all that I do, I want to praise and worship and honor God. That's the heart I want to have. That's the attitude I want to have. In the last part of the message, David understood the value, the importance, the power of praise and worship. What happens when we worship God? Well, a number of things, just a few of them real quickly. One of them, when we're worshiping God, we're welcoming God. Psalms 22 says the Lord inhabits the praise of his people. What that verse literally says is he comes and he makes our praise his throne. God comes and sits on my praise. Now let me ask you. What kind of chair does the King of kings and Lord of lords deserve? Well, if my praise is his chair, then I need to build a pretty cool chair for his presence to come and sit on. Because he's enthroned. The king is enthroned on our praises. When I start worshiping God and praising God, it welcomes God's presence into my life. Worship. Praise, it grabs God's attention. Worship causes me to focus on God rather than my circumstances and my surroundings. Worship opens the door for me to have some honest, heartfelt conversations with God. And worship is an invitation to God to get involved in my life. Statement of trust. I need to praise God. I need to worship God. There's a couple of stories in the Bible that I'm going to refer to quickly. One of them, in the Old Testament, when the armies of Israel were about to go out into a very difficult battle, they prayed and said, God, what do we do? And the Lord said, send the tribe of Judah first. Judah means praise. When you go out to fight your battles, before you go, Put praise out front. Put your trust in God. Express your heart to God and let him 
go fight at the front of the battle lines. Put praise first. And then there's, there's a story in the New Testament about Paul and Silas doing ministry in Philippi and they got thrown in prison. Long story to it, but they, they cast the devil out of a girl who was making money for a guy and had him thrown in jail. And they beat him, beat him severely. They were bruised, they were broken, they were bloodied. They threw him in the jail and chained him up so they couldn't get loose and then they locked all the jail doors. Scripture says at the midnight hour, Paul and Silas began to praise God, began to sing praises. And the earth began to shake, the jail began to shake, their chains fell off, the doors were open. Right in the middle of that horrible situation, praise and worship to God changed everything. You know, worship's like, an, it's like a thermostat. You begin to worship God, it changes the temperature in the room. But I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes in the middle of our situations that seem like a prison, praise is the only way out. You praise your way out of that situation. Put your trust in God. And then last thought. In verse 17 that we read earlier, it says, after they had this procession and David did all of his dancing and he was so excited, it says that David set the ark in its place that he had prepared for it. To set it means to place it permanently. It wasn't like, well, we're going to welcome the ark today and tomorrow we won't worry about it. No. He had a permanent place set for God's presence. It was a place, a spot that he himself had made. It was space. It was work that went into creating a place for God's presence to come and abide. Just as David created a permanent place for God's presence, shouldn't we be doing the same? Not just on Sunday mornings, but every day of my life. I'm going to tell you something. Some of the greatest encounters I've ever had with God were sitting in the quiet place of my own house early in the morning or late at night when I just began to praise God and worship God. And all of a sudden, God showed up and began to speak about situations to come, began to bring His presence and settle issues that were going on in my life. Praise opens the door for God to get involved in your circumstances. That's why scripture says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Never stops. I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Please don't anybody leave right now unless you absolutely have to. But I'm going to ask everybody here to stand. And we're not going to have a worship team out here or anything else. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to take about a minute and we're just going to praise God. We're just going to worship God together. I've talked about what worship is, what praise is this morning. You know what? It doesn't matter what I say. What matters is what you do with the Word of God. Right there where you are, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands to heaven, lift your voice. I'm going to ask you right there where you are, just begin to praise God with me. Let's just take about a minute and worship God. Father, we praise you today, God. We just welcome your presence into this house and into our lives. Father, I thank you today for all of your goodness and for your blessing. I thank you, Father, that you are my righteousness. 
You are my sanctification. You are the God who is always there. You are my peace. Father, I thank you today that you are my healer and you are my provider. You are my banner of protection. You are my shepherd. You guide my footsteps and you lead me every single day of my life. And Father, I honor you today. And God, I bow my heart before you today, Father. I just thank you that there's nobody like you. You are God and you are God alone. There is nobody else. And I bow my heart before you today, Father. And I serve you with all of my heart. And I thank you for your greatness and your involvement in my life. And God, I want you to know today, I take none of your goodness for granted. You are a great God, an awesome God faithful God. Thank you for blessing my family, blessing my home, blessing our work here at the church. Father, I thank you that you guide my footsteps and you never lead me astray. Father, I thank you that even in the midst of challenging moments, I look to you. You are my strength. You are my fortress. You are my portion and you have never failed and you are not about to fail me now. And Father, I lift my hands. I lift my voice in praise. I clap my hands to thank you and I declare that you are great and you are greatly to be praise and we love you and we honor you and we worship you today there's nobody like you there's nobody like you and father we just ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives for we are your children today we love you father just tell them how much you love them we love you lord we love you lord we love you father thank you for your goodness Thank you, Father. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed for just a moment, maybe you're here today and you've listened to this message and you've watched what we've done the last couple of minutes and you thought, you know, I, I do sense something real in this building. I, I do sense God's presence, but I don't really know how to respond because I don't know God. Maybe you're not in relationship with God. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior and made Him the Lord of your life. Or maybe you're the prodigal. Maybe you once knew God, but you've been on the run and you're realizing today, this is real. I need to come back home. Maybe you're listening to the message today and, you, and you've realized, man, if God's presence brings blessing in every area of your life, I need God in my life. You say, how do I do that? How do I come into relationship with God? You respond to His invitation. If God's tugging on the door of your heart, if he's knocking at your heart, all you got to do is open the door and invite him to come in. You do it with words. Prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer with me. Just wrap your faith around it and open your heart to God. Pray this right out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior, full payment for all my sins. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. I commit my ways to you. I will learn your ways. I will follow you. I want to be your child. I want you to be my father. So I give my life to you. Come in and be my God. Jesus name I pray amen now I'm gonna ask everybody to be seated quietly for just a moment we're gonna be finished in just a few minutes but I need to explain this if you prayed that prayer today 
It's the most important prayer and decision you ever make in your entire life to accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning of that relationship with God. I've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's, it's our gift to you. I'd like to give it to you. No strings attached. I promise you if you read this, just a little bit of reading each day, it'll help you start building your relationship with God. When service is over, we have prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need. If you just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you. If you can't remember the name the next seven days, just say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to pray with you. But please let us give this to you today and get you started walking with God. If you're in a really big rush, out in the lobby, just as you exit the building in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there with the big screen. Shows you this book. You can stop there, ask for the book there. They'll give you the same booklet there. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. God bless you today. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family? God bless you. You know, usually at this moment in service, I would say, let's thank Pastor for that word. But can we just thank God for that message this morning? Can we just thank him right now? How many needed to hear that this morning? Amen. We accept it. Now, here's the cool thing. How do we respond? Right now, in the presence of God, this is another opportunity right, we have right now to praise him. We're going to bring our tithes and our offerings right now at this point in our service. And, you know, this is something that we do out of obedience. It's something that we do out of praise and worship. And I want to first say thank you to every single person who's a part of the Bridge Church that you put God first in this area of your life. Together as a church, we are doing so much for the kingdom of God right here in our community as well as around the world through all of our ministry partnerships. And it all starts because of a faithful God and faithful people who respond to him. There's a few different ways up on the screen right now that you can give this morning, but the most important thing that we have to realize during this time is this is simply an act of worship. It's something that we do to praise and worship and honor our God because he's been good to us and because he has been faithful to us. This morning as we do this, if you're a guest today, please know there's never any obligation to give, but I promise you, if you will give to God, if you put him first in your life, it's not my promise, it's his. He'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing into our lives. But again, thank you so much for your generosity this morning. As a church, we are doing so much, and it's all because of a good, good God. We're going to give in just a moment here, and we're going to watch church news, but I want to ask everybody, if you please hang tight till the end of service, that'll help our ushers and our security team just to secure the offering. Thank you so much for giving this morning, and as we give, let's watch church news together. Good morning and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Ashley and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you feel right at home this morning and that you and your family have a wonderful time with us. There's always a lot happening at The Bridge and we would love for you to be involved. So here's a look at a few things coming up in the days ahead. We hope you'll find your place and be a part of what God is doing here at The Bridge.
month, we launched our brand new format of Connecting Point, and we had 25 people who became new partners and decided to make the bridge their home church. We are so grateful for everyone who came, and we want to welcome all of you into the Bridge family. And if you haven't heard yet, Connecting Point is happening on the first Sunday of every month during the 1130 service. This is where you go to find out more about the history, heart, mission, and vision of the church, and find out how you can get involved. It's also where you go to find out how you can make the bridge your home church. If you want to join us next month, Connecting Point is happening two weeks from today on Sunday morning, June 2nd at 11.30. We just ask that you sign up at the Info Center after the service or on our website or through the Bridge app. We want to help you get connected here at the Bridge. We hope you'll join us in two weeks at Connecting Point. All aboard! Kids Day Camp is searching for kids kindergarten through fifth grade to join us for an awesome summer adventure. Come discover that God is just, He is good, and He is our guide. This adventure is filled with water slides, interactive inflatables, Bible devotions, games, crafts, music, and more. The early bird rate of $60 and Sunday, May 26th. Don't let your kids miss out. Sign up today at thebridgechurch.tv. If you're new to The Bridge, we want to personally invite you to stop by the Info Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in church life. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For more general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also stay plugged in by downloading the Bridge app. Just text the keywords, the Bridge Church app, to 77977. Thanks again for spending your morning with us. We love spending Sundays with you. All right, hey, two quick things before we go this morning. First of all, summer weekend. This is for Bridge Youth. It's coming up next month on June 21st through the 23rd. Now, over the last few weeks, we told you about Bridge Youth Summer Camp. This is a completely separate event, and we recognize that summer camp is kind of an expensive thing for some students and their families. So summer weekend is for everybody. It's right here at the church, all junior high and high school students. It's only $15 for a student to come, as many friends as they want to bring. We would love for them to be a part of it. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time, and you won't regret it. It'd be a great investment into your students and to their future. The second thing is, next weekend is Memorial Day weekend, something that we all always celebrate and we always honor those who have given their life for our freedom. There's a special event that's happening next weekend at Riverside National Cemetery, and our Military Connect group is leading a group of volunteers who'd like to go and serve at this. It's called A Flag for Every Hero, and it's an event where people go and place flags at the tombstone of people who gave their lives for our freedom. And if you'd like to be a part of that, there'll be somebody from a Military Connect group outside at the table on the left. It's right as soon as you walk through or get through this first set of exit doors on your left-hand side. There'll be someone there from our Military Connect group that can give you more info if you'd like to sign up for the placing or the removing of those flags. It's a great event and a great way to honor our fallen on Memorial Day weekend. I hope that you've been blessed today in church. I hope that you have an awesome day, church, and that you have a great week. We will see you next Sunday. God bless you. We love you.